Welcome back to another episode of Here and There, the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. This is Günther. And in this episode, we are taking you, well, quasi-overseas. We're welcoming Wim back to the cast. And if you remember Wim, he is an exchange student who visited us here in the cities, stayed at Catherine's house, and then COVID, unfortunately, cut his stay here in the U.S. short, and he had to return back to Germany. Wim is joining us via FaceTime today. Enjoy the episodes. This is the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. Welcome. Where Germanic-speaking European countries, Germany, Deutschland, Austria, Österreich, Switzerland, Schweiz, blend with the Midwestern United States. Hallo. We are here and there, and we invite you to come along on the journey. For this segment, we'll take you back to a former guest. He was with us in a previous episode, the man, the myth, the legend. We call him Wim. Wim, welcome back <laughs> to the GI cast. Thanks for having me. Um, you had to prematurely depart the U.S. going back to Germany. Before we actually go into why this happened, which of course is COVID-related, I think uh, a question of great, great interest right now is, what's it like in Germany? What is uh, COVID uh, like? How does it affect your life? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the situation isn't really comparable to the U.S. Um, we're better off here. <laughs> but, I mean... We had a lockdown in spring, um, but over summer break, we were all to like, we were able to go out again and actually enjoy summer um, with friends and larger gatherings again. Um, but now I think the second wave is hitting us, you can say. Um, I think a couple of days ago, we had um, the highest number of new infections in a day. But um, considering that, life is pretty normal. Um, I only have to wear a mask um, in a supermarket or in the hallways in school. I can see all my friends um, without being worried. And yeah, it's not present in my everyday life. I mean, on the news it is, on the news it is but um, I don't see it when I go out. So it's not like you sort of experience daily fears and uh, it greatly affected your life to the degree that you feel that you have to hide, but life essentially goes on. Yeah, it does. And I mean, I know it's happening. I was confronted with a person who was tested positive um, in summer in Berlin. And that was kind of scary because I had to be like quarantine again for a couple of days until I was like... Um, yeah, sure that I didn't get it from her and, and able to go out again. But other than that, it's really, yeah, just on the news. Makes sense. But the the situation wasn't quite like that uh, while you were here. You were sort of ripped pretty brutally out of your American lifestyle in terms of pack up your stuff and let's go back home. Uh, how was it actually getting back to Germany prematurely? How did that all come about? How did you perceive that? How did you get the message? How quickly did you have to leave? And how quickly did you have to get back? Um, well, <laughs> um, going back to a difficult time of my life here. Um, and we were on Hawaii 
um, me and my host Emily, um, and having the best time. <laughs> and then we got an email pretty early in the morning. I was still in bed when my host parents entered my room, and they seemed, um, I don't know, pretty messed up. Um, and I was like, what's going on? Um, and then they, yeah, told me what email they got and everything broke together. And I was, you know, not really able to process it. And I just stayed in bed for a couple more hours. Um, but yeah, then I tried to enjoy the last couple of days in Hawaii um, as far as that was possible. And then we flew back and I think I had three days in Minneapolis left to like say goodbye to all my friends and pack my stuff. And then I had to leave. So overall, a pretty rapid transition from Hawaii back to Minneapolis. Three days, pack up your stuff and let's get back home to Germany. But uh, since you mentioned host family already, of course, the host family is our very own Katrin, who is here, by the way, on this call as well. We are recording this via FaceTime for the first time, and it actually works out quite flawlessly. But Katrin, from your perspective, uh, as the host family, of course, having responsibility over, I guess, uh, whims, fun, happiness, and uh, time in the U.S., how was that for you? It was pretty terrible. I mean, we were already not necessarily looking forward to him going back to Germany when we thought it was June. Um, and uh, in the middle of the night, I got a text from his mom that they had closed down the um, program. And my husband and I were pretty shocked and very much thought about like, when should we tell him this? But then we should go into his room earlier rather than later because we wanted him to hear it from us and not wake up to some email or text or something. And yeah, I mean, we had, what, three days left in Hawaii or something. We uh, were all pretty sad. Um, yeah, as them said, we tried to make the best of it and then flew back um, and came back to Minnesota on Monday and by that time, we were already wearing masks and, of course, wiping everything down, which we had already been doing on the way to Hawaii. Um, and then everything had to happen fairly quickly. I mean, we had to pack, um, then had to go, you know, tie up some loose ends and all with COVID so there already. So it's not like he could just move about like he normally would have. We had to go to a school and his locker. I mean... Yeah, it was all very, very sudden, and it it was very unreal. So your time obviously did get cut short. Uh, do you have an opportunity to make up the time in the future by coming back, or is that said and done, and the only way essentially would, of course, be that you do have a functional, awesome relationship with Catherine and her family, and you would come back essentially as a friend more so than as a student, as an exchange student? Well, um, the program officially ended with this email saying you can't stay any longer due to COVID-19. Um, and there is no way to like make up this time. 
at least from the program side. I mean, of course, I can go back and visit even for yeah a longer period of time. Um, but I would have to pay all that by myself, which is fine. But I mean, they did steal three months of my time in the U.S. So it would only be fair if we got a chance to make make up for that time, but there isn't one. So I'd like to add that the decision to send all the exchange students home was made on a um, very, very high level, like the government decided this. Um, we are still somewhat bitter because, frankly, to send all these kids on these planes to Germany when nobody really knew how things were transmitted so much, like what was going to happen, um, that was insane. And it was very clear that this was not um, with the safety of the students in mind, but that that was more for the convenience of the involved organization. Um, we tried with all we could for them not to have to leave. I mean, we really, really tried as sick as parents in Germany, um, but we had just absolutely no choice. But I am, and you know, I can understand that. I don't agree with it because I think we would have been probably safer just sitting in our living room for the time being. But um, what really gets me is that he was sent on this trip with no procedures whatsoever. The flight to Germany had no safety measures. Once he was in Germany, everything changed, right, then? Yeah, I mean, the plane was packed. Um, there was no possibility for us to keep the recommended distance. Um, and I think they had masks there, um, but... Yeah, I mean, you were still super close to all the other passengers, and I mean, I don't, I don't get why they sent us home because lockdown in America or Germany, like, where's the difference? Um, and I, yeah, I would have just adjusted to the situation in the U.S. I think, um, and we could have been quarantining together in Minneapolis rather than in Germany. We had the same in reverse. We pulled students back, Hamlin Exchange students who studied at Trier, University of Trier. We pulled all of them back as well. So essentially, the the entire thing went bi-directional. You were, quote-unquote, ordered back, and we ordered our students back. And those decisions, of course, happened far above our pay grade, so to speak, and uh, certainly with quite some detrimental effects, I guess, to the experience of the student who really had plans to to appreciate the entire time that they had the entire duration the i suppose the underlying question with with the time that is now being lost that you can't make up is uh, how does how does it impact you for the future in in terms of understanding what you were supposed to do here what you were supposed to take back do you feel that you've lost uh, the authenticity of the experience uh, it obviously listening to both of you it clouded it. It didn't exactly translate into the happiest experience in the end. And Catherine, you just waved at me, so you have something else to add. Yeah, I mean, with this whole sending back, yes, it's of course shortened his experience. And I mean, that was just a matter of the time. That is something that nobody is at fault really about. But the way that he was sent back and all these other exchange students just was incredibly 
unthoughtful and really they were sent into harm's way. And we know of a Spanish or an exchange student from here that went to Spain who was ordered back as well. And he was very sick. And he told the airline, he told the officers at the border, he told everybody and nobody gave anything. So when we're talking about, oh, it's about the safety of the students, clearly it wasn't because nobody cared that he was sick and in fact had COVID. Oh, you traveled back actually having COVID? No, no, no. Oh. This was an American exchange. That was in Spain. That was okay. asked to come back to the US. I didn't catch that. So uh, thanks for clarifying that. But let's let's shift gears a little bit to actually something that perhaps is a little happier in nature. Uh, what did you What did you actually take with you from Minnesota, from your host family, from the American experience? What's What did you take with that actually makes you smile when you think about it? Um, well, there's so many things I could list now. Um, I have a second home now on the other side of the planet Earth. Um, I met the best people and so many amazing friends, um, an amazing family. Um, we went on an unbelievable trip um, that I'll never forget. Um, we visited places I could only dream of a year ago. And I learned another language. Um, and I think what's also really important is that I grew as a person. Um, I yeah added so many things to my character, I guess. And yeah, I'm really thankful for that. I mean, your English was already pretty spectacular when you came here and when I first met you, which was in the first few weeks of you actually having arrived, I believe. It hasn't, you haven't lost the beats, my friend. So it's certainly, I guess it improved and it hasn't lost its grip on you. So bravo to that. Well, thank you. Um, my English teacher in Germany was really good, but I think I um, lost a lot of vocabulary, um, especially in the last three months that I, didn't get to spend in the U.S. because at that point, before my departure, I was able to communicate and knew like all the basic um, lingo. But in the last three months, I could have added like special words, so to say, um, that you don't yeah, know as a foreign English speaker, I guess. So perhaps we just need to turn you into foreign, into a foreign correspondent for the podcast uh, with boots on the ground in the motherland, so to speak, and roll you back into the podcast to tell us what it's like at home. Catherine, what do you think? I think that's an excellent idea. We'll have you on staff permanently. There you go. Please pay me. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pitch that up the food chain. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, now, of course, taking away a lot of positives out of Minnesota, it is a lovable place, of course. What were some of the difficulties, though, in terms of perhaps adjustments, in terms of experiences? What, what would you recommend other people should not experience or perhaps adjust for? Well, should not experience maybe isn't the right thing to say here, but winter is a thing in Minnesota. Um, and... I mean, I live in the north of Germany, so we have gray sky, rain, and that's basically our winter. Um, and I think it was October when it snowed for the first time when I was in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it actually snowed. Like, <laughs> it stayed on the ground. 
and didn't go away. <laughs> um, and that was, well, an experience. Um, and all the people were telling me, like, this is a mild winter. Like, we had way worse <laughs> years and you got up good. But that was something I was not expecting. And I had to order, order a new coat because mine that I brought from Germany <laughs> wasn't made for the Minnesota winter. But, well, I survived, I guess. <laughs> So the weather really was the only difficulty that you experienced as a northern German. I would say there's got to be something else where you say, you know what, that was a little iffy. Um, well, the school systems are really different. I am going to a Waldorf school here. <laughs> and the way of learning here is really free. And the focus is more on the artsy side, I guess. At least with my school it is. And in the U.S., that wasn't a thing. Well, we had clubs after school where you could do music and theater and whatever you wanted to do, but um, the actual classes I was, was taking were focused on, well, homework only, I guess, because <laughs> we weren't taking a lot of tests, or if we did, they weren't really hard. Um, but I had so much homework, um, and I didn't yeah, see the point. Because once you understood what you have to do, you don't really have to repeat it over and over and over again. So, so from, that stole a lot of hours from my exams, but it was fine. So from an academic experience, it sounds like you felt really well prepared coming here with your German educational background. Whereas I wonder what an American student in Germany experience just challenges to follow along with the way that we teach basically at home. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't want to say American schools are worse than Germans, but Germany schools, but I didn't really struggle with anything they taught me. And I mean, it was all in English, so a completely different language than what I was used to from home. And I still got everything, understood everything except math, but that's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think for an American coming to Germany, there's just a different focus on what we teach in schools. Um, so maybe that's the challenge because, yeah, they just aren't educated in such a broad way as we are, but I don't know. So from students to students, since this is a podcast episode that will remain basically on the air forever, uh, what would be your like top three recommendations for an American student coming to Germany? What should they actually focus on? What should they prepare for? This could be academic and or life in Germany. Well, I mean, it depends on why you're coming to Germany. If you just want to learn the language, choose easy classes as far as you're able to choose because that's not always a given in Germany. Um, but yeah, do after-school activities. Um, we don't have that in school most of the times in Germany, so you really have to like look for something like that and organize that yourself, because that's yeah a different organization from the school. But that's where you meet friends and people in your age that you actually can connect with because in class I mean you are surrounded by people of your same age but it's hard to connect during a biology class that makes sense 
Anything else that an American student should prep for? And of course, by the way, I'm going to follow up with a question as to what should a future German student prepare for coming to the U.S., of course. I mean, Germany is a lot more crowded, I think, than the U.S. We don't have these endless long roads um, of nothing and then all these like bigger cities. Um, so just like your surroundings will be different. But I mean, that's the beauty of an exchange, meeting new cultures and people so i think just be open for everything and yeah just enjoy <laughs> makes sense so i'm imagine i'm a 16 year old uh, future exchange student and i come to whim and say hey listen uh, dudes i'm having an opportunity to hop on over to Catherine's family and uh, not so much what should I prepare for in terms of meeting Catherine's family. That would probably go a little too personal. But, I mean, you can certainly dive into that if you like. But what should I prepare for as an exchange student coming over here? The schools are big. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think in my town, the largest school has, I think, 800 students. And the high school I went to was almost twice the size. So there's so many people um, and you know absolutely no one. <laughs> and it's really on you to make friends and to connect with people. And if you're just, well, yeah, shutting down and not talking to anyone and just sitting in your little corner eating your lunch, you won't meet anyone and it's going to be a lonely year. So I think... After your arrival, it's really important to yeah, go up to people and talk to them, even if it might not end up in a friendship. Um, you at least know their name now, and maybe they know someone you can yeah, connect with on many things, and then they'll become a friend. So really the basic principle of networking, human connections. Yeah, and I mean... Communicating really is the key. Um, I struggled with that in the beginning a little bit. And then I realized, well, I don't want to spend this year with my whole family only because, I mean, in school, they're not there. And after school with, like, I don't know, the activities that were I was able to choose from, they weren't there either. So I really had to meet people. Um or otherwise I would have been by myself the whole time and wouldn't have learned how to speak English because <laughs> I don't talk English in my head. So, yeah. Right. I mean, now that Catherine's uh, shock that was written across her face has worn off, uh, from a host family, host mother's perspective, uh, what would you wish that future exchange students prepare for? Oh, that's a good question. I think the vastness of the American school system definitely and also the fact that there's just so little freedom in American schools. I mean, you have to take a hall pass if you want to go to the bathroom. In 11th grade or 12th grade, you know, we didn't even ask anymore if we were allowed to skip out to the bathroom and just go. Um, and just the concept of being really treated as a child in the upper grades of school is very, very different. Um, I think also the whole concept of being treated as a child, not only in school, but also outside of school, as far as curfews go, or what you're allowed and not allowed to do. Um, 
it's just very different. And I think that exchange students that are coming from Germany have to realize that their freedom is going to be curtailed quite a bit in comparison to this. These are trends, obviously. Obviously, this is not true for everybody coming from Germany, but it's just very different. And that's part of the experience, right? To go into a different culture. So let me let me hook into that for a second, because this to me screams trust or trust issues in terms of I need to control what my child is doing, what my child has access to, in which manner my child conducts itself, him or herself in the context of school and perhaps also out of school with curfews, with um, forms of control that we commonly don't apply like that in Europe. Do you think for the American parent it would be a problem or a concern to think that their child now goes to Germany for exchange uh, and a year of exchange students' existence, so to speak, and is exposed to this much higher degree of responsibility? Um, it could be a problem, I would say, and I'm sure there are cases where American teenagers really, you know, use any bit of freedom that they can possibly gain while they're in Germany. Um, but I think it also has to be seen in the context of peers because here, when Wim came, I mean, we had this conversation before he even arrived about curfews and that it's just different, although he doesn't really remember that. Um, but we did have that conversation. Um, but he's with peers that are not necessarily used to something different. You know, here to have a curfew is not so out of order that people would be like, huh? And the same in Germany, if you're out with your peers who are also not having a curfew, you're probably adjusting your behavior to that as well. And I mean, yeah, there are always kids that go crazy, but generally speaking, I think a lot of German youth has a, have a pretty high degree of feeling for responsibility and do not take it too far on a constant basis. I mean, it's not like, you know, all German adolescents are running around drunk all day or something. Right. So, so Wim, coming over with the level of freedom and responsibility that was assigned to you in the German school system and uh, perhaps the lack of distinct curview and uh, not having to have a hall pass, how did you perceive things having changed for you while you were here in terms of having responsibility just changing for you was it was it stifling was it uh, perhaps liberating because you didn't have to think so much about what you're responsible for what was it like um well i think at least and yeah when i was with my host family nothing really changed i mean Catherine knows how it is in germany and she knew i was used to making my own choices and being pretty independent um Cause I was raised that way and I was used to that. I have been used to that for years. And, but in school, when people were like, Oh, I have, like, I can't go out tonight cause I have to be home around nine. I was like, huh? Like <laughs> you're almost 18. Why do you have to be home at nine? And like, oh yeah. My mom gave me the curfew. And I was like, Oh, that's different. <laughs> um, but the people I was closest with in the end didn't really have, any registration from their parents either. Um, so I think you just find the people who are, well, yeah, used to the same things and were raised a little bit more liberal than the American kid. 
Um, but yeah, I think like what was difficult for me was that society as a whole in America was looking at me as a child. And that was a challenge because here in Germany with 16, you're almost an adult and people treat you like one. Um, so that was, yeah, the only thing that was like challenging. So after having experienced it here, going back to Germany, particularly in a flash, since you didn't have much preparation time at all, three days to pack up your mm -hmm. bags and head, head back home, was it was it challenging to readjust or did you just jump right back in and nothing had ever changed or were you kind of taken a little off guard by the fundamental differences that we have in between the two countries? Um, I jumped right in. <laughs> I maybe even overdid it a little bit because I was just, yeah not relieved, but just glad to have that bag, just kind of being viewed as an adult thing, because that really is liberating in some way, and you just really feel able to do more things, and just a little bit more free, which is a yeah, really good and healthy feeling. It's an incredible consideration, incredible consideration to have for a parent's now, looking at you, Catherine, obviously being a parent, what, what does that feel like to you in terms of restrictions here versus liberties there? And when you look at it from the American perspective, uh, is that cause for concern, you think? Or is it something that we should actually embrace? Um, I can't say that I think it's cause for concern. I mean, we grow up that way over there. It's not like all of a sudden we turn 16, these responsibilities are thrust upon it, and you're like, good luck figuring out your life. It's not like that at all. You consistently have responsibilities, and you're consistently more a part of actual society, even as a child, I think, in Germany. You're talked to in a much different way than children here in general are talked to. Um, I think that the big break for a lot of kids here comes from going to college and all, you know, crazy breaks loose. All of a sudden, you know, they're confronted with, oh, there's alcohol, oh, there's drugs, oh, I can stay out as long as I want to. And then there's this big readjustment period. I mean, I don't know how many people I know that really drank their way through college. And I feel that in Germany, because it's not such a taboo, because it's not so restricted, kids maybe go through that to a lesser degree. And of course, there are cases where that's not the case. And of course, there's a value and all that stuff as well. But the idea here that it's teenagers against parents and you know, parents don't know anything and teenagers are stupid, I don't think that that is as drastic. And I think there's more trust between parents and kids. Here it feels like kids basically have to hide things from their parents in order to get to do anything um, and can't really talk to them about the, you know, challenging topics like friendship maybe or first relationships or anything like that. There's a lot that seems to be hidden from parents and that I find really concerning, especially since schools don't really those are really valid questions to consider because there are cultural differences and 
I wouldn't want to go as far as saying that one is more right or more wrong, perhaps, than the other. But I think within those fundamental differences lies the experience that I think every child should actually have on both sides of the ocean, going from here to Germany and, of course, vice versa. And I think when everything that you've said, and then, of course, Catherine's impressions, are the exact validation why this does make so much sense. So I think it's really going to be something to look forward to, to having this type of program back. I think what I would like to add to that is that I'm sure there are a lot of exchange students and host families that have really, really, really good experiences with this exchange here. And probably some that don't have such great experiences because maybe the fit isn't so good. But I think that our experience really was quite exceptional on many levels. And I think that the level of trust possibly was exceptional um, because we never really felt we had to curtail his comings and goings. I mean, he still had curfews, of course. And we were still making sure that we sort of at least knew where he was in case something happened. And he possibly at some time also received that as very limiting but um, I don't know that this kind of relationship that we have is necessarily the norm and it cuts both ways right because he was responsible when he came and or at least he could fake it really well I'm not sure <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was just never there was just never an issue with that kind of stuff Wim, what's next in your evolution? What's, obviously, you are, I think you're heading towards the Abitur, right? Uh, finishing high school? Well, I have one and a half years left, yeah. But we're slowly going in that direction. And then, I mean, we'll see. I have to focus on school now, I think. Um, cause, yeah, finishing high school is not easy. <laughs> um and after that, I really don't know yet. Um, we'll see. I can't see myself going into the direction of art, performing arts especially, um, or complete opposite, maybe medicine or something. But I really don't know yet. We'll, we'll see. The good thing is you have a little bit of time to decide. Um, do you Are you aware of the distinct differences between finishing high school here in the U.S. and what it takes to get, obviously, the Abitur done in Germany? There are differences. Can you shed some light on those? Um, I don't know the specifics, but I think the Abitur, so the, you know, the final exams you take after high school here in Germany are way harder than what you do in the U.S., um, I don't want to compare it to like college or something, but it goes in that direction. Um, yeah. I think one of the predominant differences would be, and this is found particularly with freshmen in college, is that in the US, coming out of high school, when you go to college, you still have to take core classes. I do not remember that we have core classes to that degree in German and Austrian universities because those core requirements are already taken care of in high school. Is that still correct? Yeah, it's still the case. Um, we cover like all the basics in school and then we go off to college and uh, start off right away with whatever we chose to study. So you could... 
decides between medicine or aviation or performance arts and there really are no restrictions you don't have to test into anything similar to the u.s where you have particular scores you have to fulfill to get in well there's limits you have to have uh, um is it called gpa i don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to have the, the right gpa um, to get into medicine school for example um and there's obviously tests that you have to take um but they don't really are a challenge for anyone because we are well prepared for those tests through high school. Um, and I mean, for performing art schools, you have to have an interview and then maybe perform something like there's always something you have to do to get into these schools, but it's all doable if you have the right talent and well, yeah, motivation. Outstanding. Catherine, Wim, what should we have covered that we didn't cover? I think I would like to know what you think about if you're, what you experienced. Or no, let's say it this way. Do you regret not having a fully American host family? No, absolutely not. I think having a little bit of German in there was really, really good because you just knew, at least kind of, because you haven't really been to Germany living the teenage life nowadays. Um, but at least you knew how it was back in the days when you were younger. Um, and yeah, you just kind of understood what I was going through um, a little better than anyone in America because they just grew up in a whole different society. Um, and you just, yeah, could lead me through the American life um, a little better because you understood what I was struggling with because you knew what was different for me. So I think that was a plus nod. Yeah, I don't regret that. I guess there's sort of this hidden um, suggestion, I suppose, that for future American students who are having an exchange year in Germany, perhaps the parents should try to find an American host family who has lived in Germany for quite some time to truly understand um, the intersections of life here and life there. Well, I think what's really important is that there's only one of the parents who is, um, has moved um, over the ocean because if they're both um, Americans, I don't know how far they will um, adjust to the German lifestyle. Um, I mean, of course, they can completely become <laughs> an average German family. But I think if you're in your little family and then moving together, you're really like, yeah, not going to change as much as when there's someone coming into the family, bringing a whole new culture and country with them. That is actually really good feedback. Katrin? Um, another thing I would be interested in is if you are looking at your peers, was there anything that was different from your exchange year than from your exchange year than from, you know, the kids you went with at the same time and that you prepared with and then, you know, had yeah. contact with throughout the time? Um, I think what's really important, maybe for a future exchange student, to know it doesn't really matter where you are placed but with whom, because um, people were 
on a farm in the middle of South Dakota with 2,000 cows and nothing else around. And they had the best year ever because they just, yeah, felt so welcome and loved in their family. Um, and then on the other hand, there's someone who was placed a little outside of San Francisco, which is like the dream placement for every exchange student um, going to the U.S. But that person had no connection with their family and they were, weren't fighting all the time, but they just couldn't really open up. Um, and so she um, changed their her host family, I think two times. So yeah, the area doesn't really mean you're going to have an amazing year, even though San Francisco sounds unbelievable. That's overall great feedback. I think we actually have... Uh... We have an entire episode here. Wim, I think uh, for future reference, I think we're going to call you back in and uh, perhaps uh, talk about uh, your journey towards the Abitur, so towards finishing high school a little bit more and really get the impression from an actual student. But then also your transition to college, whichever major you decide, I think is inconsequential. But the scholastic academic college experience, I think, would be really interesting to to get with uh, get transferred and explained to our American listeners who I think otherwise would just really inform themselves by whatever the news media says. So getting it from you, I think, is much more authentic in that. Well, yeah, please call me. I'll be willing to tell you everything. <laughs> um, I have no idea yet what I'll, go, what I'll do, where I'll go, but if I'm getting closer, I'll happily tell you guys. Awesome. Well, that, that's all I had. Wim, thanks so, so much. It was good to see you again, my friend. Won't be the thanks last for time. for having me. Awesome. <laughs> Katrin, thank you. Of course. And before we let you go from today's episode, we have a few events that we want to bring to your attention. Our Transatlantic Chapters series on German-American history continues throughout November. Visit the Stars and Stripes over the Rhine exhibit at the House on Sunday, November 15th, or November 22nd, between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Masks and social distancing are required, and you can sign up on site. We also have the exhibit virtually on our website, which you can find at gai-mn.org chapters. Then on November 6th at 6 p.m., join us for a virtual talk with the Stars and Stripes exhibit curator Dr. Kai Michael Sprenger. He will be joining us live from Mainz to talk about how the exhibit was created and answer all your questions. For this event, register at our website, please. Then the Kinderstube German Immersion Preschool is having their Winter Greens fundraiser sales right now. You can still order before November 4th. We have beautiful poinsettias wreaths and other holiday gifts for sale from Buckmans. More information at gai-mn.org slash wintergreens or simply contact the Kinderstube team. Last but not least, the GI's annual fund launches next week. And frankly, we need your help this year more than ever to keep our programs and classes going through 2021 and beyond. You will be receiving our annual fund letter in the mail soon, or you can just go directly to our website at gi-mn.org slash annual fund to donate. And from all of us, we appreciate you. That was it for today's episode. 
thank you as always for joining us for future episodes. Please let us know what topic you're interested in or which guests you would like us to interview. Simply email us your suggestions to podcast at gai-mn.org. Thanks to Katrin and Wim one more time. And this is Günther signing off. We'll talk to you again soon.